Okay. Are you ready? Yep. I'm Amy Tianyi a Chinese living in America. You want me to call you Amy, or do you want me to call you Tianyi? And I'm Meg, an American who is about to marry into a Chinese family. It allows people to have an eye into who we are as people and how we find our own identity in the world. We're the hosts of The Spark, a podcast that explores what it means to traverse between cultures and shares stories that intersect Chinese and American culture to interrupt cultural barriers and create connections. And today we have Ariel Ziyi with us. Uh, she was born and raised in Beijing and came to New York three years ago. Um, she's an exhibition and interior designer, and she's now working for a boutique residential architecture firm specializing in gut renovations. She had her own living aesthetic brand, Seabud Club, that she runs with a few friends, and she curate um, and sell European vintage home decor. She do their original design and share their passion for ancient cultures and memories. She loves art, music, literature, and nature, and she also loves cooking and experiencing different cultures. She paints a lot when she's free, and it's a way she express her feelings and emotions, which I know because um, since the day I knew her, I, I saw so many of her paintings, and they were absolutely amazing. And um, she is crazy about space museums uh, I went to a couple museums with her and I was absolutely uh, feeling her passion with spaces and design and um, her emotional interaction between spaces um, most importantly she loves telling the stories that different spaces contain and um, the relations between the spaces and human beings no matter natural or man-made intimate or public so yeah, so that's um, a little intro of her. I've known her for a couple of years now. She is uh, my best friend's best friend. So uh, that's how I got to know her. And I think her story was absolutely fascinating being someone who, you know, finished her college in a very prestigious university, Tsinghua University in Beijing as an, a student in fine art and pursuing her, uh, continue pursuing her love and passion and art and these in New York City and now establishing her brand. I think I, I've witnessed how she became a person literally traversing in between cultures as accomplished woman as she is. And I would like to dive into her story today with you, Meg. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So as I always say, you know, anytime we're diving into a story, um, I always like to start at the beginning. So for you, Ariel, Tell us a little bit about how you grew up, um, just to take it back to before you were here in the United States and pursuing um, your passions. Um, yeah, tell us about how you grew up, where you grew up, um, the beginning. Okay. Um, I think I take this question more like how I grew up as a kid in Beijing. Yeah. And first of all, I was born and raised in Beijing. So I kind of feel like that privilege as being a Beijing kid so it's, it's just compared to the other regions in China, it's like more open-minded, no matter how my parents were extremely strict for me, but it's still like more open-minded and like more freedom um, being a Beijing kid. And um, another thing I wanna address is my dad's family suffered from CCP's persecution during the Cultural Revolution. Mm. So I'm, I was not growing up in a really red 
feeling uh, Chinese family's culture. So mm. that's, I think that's another important thing for me, like drive me to get to this country and trying to, it's just my family environment is giving me that situation, giving me that privilege to like, um, is easier for me to get used to another Western culture, so-called. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that I grew up with boys. I was raised by my dad because my mom was really busy with her job uh, when I was a kid. So it's like in my childhood, I play um, like those army role play games with boys and hmm. radio games that we play chess and ball games a lot like I don't I didn't own my Barbies or the other like I didn't hang out with girls that much when I was young um so I think it's just another thing really interesting that I still have like more male friends right now just because of the way I grew up Mm -hmm. and yeah like my parents were extremely strict to me I'm the only child and my parents were really got their high education background. So they always forced me to try to be the best student in class. And that's one side. Another side is, but they still support me to learn what I love. Like, I really appreciate that my parents always encouraged me to learn art, like never gave up being an artist, this dream, especially like being an artist or designer is still kind of not a good job in Mm -hmm. China. Like everybody is like, you just, you couldn't study, like you couldn't, you didn't do well. Because you're school. not a good student. Why you become an artist, like it's different in China. But I mean, my parents were really supportive. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the other side, they were so strict to me. Like there is a funny story. Like I think a few months before, um a few months ago my boyfriend sent me asked me this question like what is your best memory with your mom and I thought about this question for a really long time I couldn't really think about one moment like I think the moment is just be in between when I just came here and right now like the moment when we are talking to each other through phone when I was here and she's there like, mm-hmm. it's not like a moment we are really staying together. Um, okay. And I still remember, like, when I was young and I love reading. But, I mean, as Chinese uh, kids, we have so much homework to do after school. And I just pick up a book. I remember I was reading a poem, poetry or something. And my mom got really mad at me. And she tore up the book and threw it away, threw it out of the window. And we were living on the fourth floor. Wow. And that, like, I always, I don't know. I always remember the moment, like, my mom felt like, I don't want to, you, you just need to finish all of your homework before getting to do something you like. But I mean, I was studying really hard when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it's still not a lot. But I mean, um, yeah, that was just the stories when I was a kid. Just always got so rebellious with being my parents um I didn't got enough freedom to be a real me when I was a kid Mm -hmm. I think that's another reason that drives me into this artist road right now right Um, 
<laughs> and and the last thing I want to mention is I still、um, spend a long time living in the rural area because both of my grandparents from my grandparents from both of my mom's and dad's sides are living in rural area and they're farmers. So it's really cool that my grandma actually lives in the Cape Jolling,、mm-hmm. which is an area I think it's called. Lo Loes Loes Plateau in China was like the yellow dirt plateau.、Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know really. I'll say that, but I mean, we have a specific residential、um, form that is like people live in the cave dwellings, and which is actually for poor people to live in. And we didn't even have shower and、uh, flush toilet system. Wow, I couldn't even think about the moment I take shower. Like we we actually I think we took shower in like a wood like a basin or something like that. Bucket. It's like really poor and, but I mean I enjoy a lot, especially when when we need to spend our time in a really poor and rural area. And but I mean especially、mm-hmm. because we we're kids, so we didn't really care.、So、that's another thing. Like if we started to live in that kind of situation. Like at our the age right now, like we couldn't really, we couldn't make it. But I mean, it's just as a kid to growing up in the rural area is another important thing for me to not being spoiled so so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it I, seems I, like I don't、there's... know. I'm just random stuff that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love I love everything that you just shared. I mean, it's it's very interesting. It seems like your whole、um, your whole growing up is is full of these almost like polar opposites, like these paradoxes、yeah. almost, where you have you have loving, wonderful parents who are also very strict on you, but they also support everything you want to do. But then you share that story about how your mom. Literally ripped up a piece of art in front of you because she wanted you to be focusing on your studies.、Um, so it seems like there's this like tug and pull、um, when it comes to your art, but there there's also this tug and pull. It seems when it comes to your life in general, like the different experiences that you're having. Like you talk about the privilege of being a Beijing kid, but then you also talk about growing up, like spending a lot of time in these really rural places where you probably weren't having a shower for days.、Um, And I think that that's something that's so interesting about you. I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel like these different like paradoxes, like almost like juxtapositions, really shaped who you are as an artist and really pushed you in this certain direction? And do you feel like those tug and pulls are reflected in your art? Um, I I'm not sure. First of all, I think being an artist is more of My own stuff,、mm-hmm. so it's not like forming me as an artist. Is um, I think my artworks is more like a expression of my emotions living living here, like being the current、totally. me. Um, but definitely, I think the way I grew up just is so diverse. Is how I like right now. Like I love being、okay. in a diverse environment. A society, and I think I enjoy that when I was a kid. So it's like how they are connected to each other. Totally. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's just hard to think about the real connection 
between a kid, me as a kid, and then as a designer right now. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just you, it's, it's yeah. you through and through. That's so interesting. And so I want to get to definitely talking about who the current you is. Um, but before I do that, I was, I'm interested if you could tell us about the moment you decided to leave China. Like what, was there a specific moment? Could you take us there where that decision was made? Um, and you knew you were going to come to America. And especially that giving such a diverse background, because like Mike said, that you are living through different paradoxes, uh, extreme ends of so many different factors have a a, a huge influence, a confluence of influence to you as a person. So I think um, not not only just leaving China, but leaving your comfort zone, um, a place where you grew up, uh, the moment tells more about the moment that you feel like you need more outside mm-hmm. of what you're already experiencing? It was actually a really simple reason. And I didn't even realize I was going to leave my comfort zone. I wow. thought it's just going to be really simple, really easy, just to go to another country and learn English and then get a lot of local friends, blah, 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 really cool. I really thought about that before I, before I left China. But I mean, I'll go back to the reason. Um, it's just simple. I was in college and I was young, so I was still not tired about being in school and about the school life, being a student. And I know that America is the strongest country and especially New York City. I was always thinking about New York City, not the other part of America, because mm-hmm. it was New York and everything is the best in New York. I think it's just the best place for me to learn how to be a human being, how to learn different cultures and education is just a simple part but I mean education is a really good opportunity definitely to be a student first and then explore more so it's simple I just want to get further education and New York is the best so major is actually the second thing second factor I considered so the first thing is get to the New York City and then figure out what I want to do so wow yeah, but it wasn't really easy for me to get used to the new life as I thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah. Like what, what sorts of things weren't, weren't easy or what was challenging about that? Um, first of all, Chinese, the English skill is different. Like just for example, me and Amy, when I was in China, my English really sucks. Like I know that when I was in China, Amy's English is already really good. And I think it's because her high school is kind of the best, one of the best high school and all of the students in her high school kind of have really strong English skills. And also she started being like having the bilingual education, right? In Shanghai. Mm -hmm. And it's just different opportunities and different backgrounds give us different English skills. I didn't really think that my English that bad until I really get to here. Like I couldn't understand anything. I thought I like I passed the English. The what is our English course called again? I just <laughs> tofu. Yeah, yeah, tofu. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I passed that exam and then I can be I can just rule everything, but actually it was not. So actually the moment I can really talk in English with people like was confident was the second after the second year. Like in the first year, 
I didn't even know how to react to people when people asked me, how are you? Like I was so, I was so frustrated with myself because I know I'm not uptight. I'm not a unconfident person, but I just, I couldn't even answer that question just fluently or, or just with confidence. Like, how are you? I was like, oh, I don't know how to answer that. And then I just feel like, did I really give off that vibe that I was really an uptight person? No, like I was got into that trouble and it was hard for me because I think the most important thing for you to live in different culture is confident. And I mean, I met so many people that their English is not that good, that they can just, they, you can feel like their, their passion and their vibe is just energy, full of energy, even though it's not like a fluent English talk. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still remember when you first came to the States, um, I remember it was three, four years ago almost, and um, uh, we, we went out to, to watch a film, and we were walking in Washington Square Park, and you were just telling me, because I knew you as someone, you, like, Tsinghua University, it's, it's the number one or the number two in the entire China and like you the fact that I'd seen you being so stressed because I, I if I remember correctly that you were taking English course in um as a first year uh, grad student as well so it was a part of your curriculum and I just saw you like so stressed and I was like you're fine <laughs> you're more than fine and I, I I totally feel that because um because knowing you as as a confident individual as you are and seeing you being stressed I, I I just knew there was so much more that you would like to express there was so much you could give but um the language is just such a it's such a stymie it's in the middle and it, it stopped you from you being who you are and there was so much passion just kind of blocked on the way and um I I can feel your 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 urge of expressing yourself and I mean look at you now <laughs> yeah this is something I mean I I can really identify th- with this from the other side because I feel like I'm in what you're describing right now I mean it's really interesting because I Amy and I've talked about this a lot before but like for example when I'm over in China I had the same exact experience that you were describing where someone will ask, how are you? And I don't even know how to, I mean, I know how to say like basic, basic, but I can't actually tell them how I am. And I can't actually, there's this, it just feels like when I'm trying to express myself, when I'm trying to communicate, it's like, I'm hitting this wall. Like I can't. And I always worry about is, am I coming through even though I can't, and even though I can't verbally communicate it. And I mean, I'm just interested personally like to ask you when, when did you feel like you broke through, like you, you, you conquered that because that's something that I'm still waiting to conquer myself and I'm trying. Um, but it's definitely, it's, it's one of the most challenging things I think coming from the other side too. So mm-hmm. how did you break through and, and conquer that? Is another interesting story that Amy probably know. <laughs> I think the second year, the second summer, I stay here. Um, I stay in New York. I usually travel a lot during summer, but that summer I took some a few courses in my school. So I stay in New York, and the first time I enjoy the summer in New York City. 
and I encountered this uh, David, this this guy is who actually is a Colombian university teacher. He's a local New Yorker, and we met in this. We met in the supermarket. We started talking when we were shopping, and then for me, that was almost the first American that I really become friend with. Wow. And I, that's a moment like David really helped me a lot, and he also understand me. And I tell I told him a lot of my problems with my life, and we just share a lot. And I really being authentic with him, and we still like uh, like getting together sometimes right now. Is yeah, it's cool. It's a really interesting experience, but. That's incredible. (laughs) That's the moment, I think. Wow. Wow. I think, you know, for me, I always think like there'll just be this ginormous, like catastrophic moment where it's like, boom, everything clicks. And suddenly I can talk to everybody and I can do everything and all that stuff. And I, and your story just goes to show, like it actually just can happen in the most simplest of moments, like just happenstance, like meeting somebody in a grocery store. And then, I mean, that's, I love that. I think that's such a, such a cool story. Um, because I think Mm -hmm. often, I mean, in America, there's not so much of an emphasis learning a second language, even though I wish there was, because it gets easier if you learn it when you're younger. Um, but I think like people who go to set out to learn another language in America, like there's always this idea that it's like this huge, I mean, at least this is my experience. Like it's this huge feat. And then when you conquer it, it's like, I don't know. And when really, like, I think like your experience goes to show, it's just something that it feels big, but then it happens in very small ways, um, which I think makes Mm -hmm. it less stressful. I think at least for me, when I'm hearing you talk about it, it makes it less stressful when I think about being fluent in Mandarin someday. So I love that you shared that. No, that's such an interesting point because I was just thinking about it when when Ariel was talking about it because the thing is, for for me and Ariel, our English weren't bad, even though she said it sucked, but like we weren't, we we, we can communicate just fine. We could read. And when we were at that point, it it really took uh, some people or one person or some people who could, who is, um, when we were with them, we feel comfortable of letting our guard down or just show the fragility, show the part of um, the part of us that were so fragile that because when you were 98% fluent, that 2% can completely just destroy my confidence, bottom up. Yes. I, it, it, it was like when, but for you, I, I think, um, I mean, it sucks for you because you couldn't understand anything. Like that's, that's one thing. But on the other hand, it's people didn't expect you or at least like people would be okay you're learning so that's great you know like make your I mean of course it sucks that you couldn't express yourself um showing like you said coming through but um what what uh we are facing it's like it took we need to find that specific environment where at least for me uh, and also from her story that I can kind of feel that you know it it I, I need to find that person. I need to find that environment where I would be comfortable with completely expressing myself. Well, switching gears too, out of yeah. um, learning language. I mean, when, so when you got here, um, 
I think we always really get to know ourselves when we go into environments, um, and places that are, are not, not like they're foreign to us. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm interested to know, um, how, how home, how did leaving home shape you, um, as a person you were talking earlier about the current you. Um, so how was the current you shaped by leaving home? Um, I think the first thing really simple as well. I got to know how to enjoy high living standards. It's, it's, it's not like I'm from a middle class family, but my family, is called, like my parents are just didn't buy a lot. They, they don't like shopping. It's just them, themselves. And it's, it's not because like we don't have money, but I mean, finally I got to be myself living by myself here and oh also when I was in college we need to live in that really crowded you know Chinese dorm right we don't mm. have our space so we even if we're spending money we couldn't even you know store a lot of things in our mm. own space right. now it's just now is the real capitalist culture even though it's really hard to say like which is more capitalist China or America but I mean and it's just for me is finally started to live in the capitalist culture like people are shopping shopping and people love to use high quality stuff high technologies and americans for me i think americans just love to find a way to be convenient like everything is convenient we own a lot of machine stuff just to you know like we can make our coffee in in different with different machines and we have so many different types of kitchen utensils and different like devices i mean it's not saying we don't have them in china it's just for me that's the first chance for me to start using those Mm. uh it's interesting but really simple point but definitely, definitely being brief and being more confident, being real. The I think the authenticity, authentic. Yeah. I just feel like, just like I told before, learning English, it's like learning totally start over. I think my life was started over. Just start with learning English and lifestyle, culture, everything is new. I feel like I finally being so pure and so authentic mm-hmm. like the old me was kind of I threw away I threw it away and I think the another thing is I finally know who I want to be I want to be a person who can stay everywhere living any culture and being less judgmental and I finally know that different system different system, different country system has its own way. And it, it's just, you can't say which way is right, which way is was wrong, unless you really experience that. But I mean, the moment you really experience that, you finally know that, yeah, they just exist. You need to just get used to it. Or yeah. you can try to change it. You can try to maybe change yourself. But I mean, just focus on yourself more and don't always be judgmental. Like the first thing you say is couldn't be just that's wrong. And I'm always the right person. Right. Yeah. And just also um, giving me a chance 
to look back to Chinese culture again. Like being here, looking back is a totally different perspective. And I remember the, that summer, that summer I just started to bring, break through myself. I, I think, yeah, another reason I really break through myself because that summertime, everything is energetic, so much passion and the weather is beautiful. And I just got more time with myself, um, not busy with my school. So that was the first time I started, really started learning Chinese philosophy, Buddhism. And at the same time, that is a really big part of Chinese culture. So I just go back to the Chinese culture again, learning the pros and cons and what do I like about China, what I hate about China is just another moment to get start over again. And I just got so passionate about Chinese philosophy. I didn't I didn't know them a lot when I was in China. And I think that's really intelligent. Absolutely. It's so interesting when you're when you remove yourself out of something you've always known, and then you are able to experience something and learn about it in a new way that you wouldn't have if you were still in it. So I think that's really, it's really cool. It feels like almost your life is, it's like looking at you as a person is almost viewing you. You're like a kaleidoscope. There's so many different parts of you and like different parts mirroring back and showing different images. And I mean, it's just really cool. And all of that makes up you, which is, which is the most fascinating part. And I mean, it really speaks to, I think, I mean, you didn't just get here because you just got like lucky or you just happened to fall out of the sky one day and landed where you are. Like you created this life for yourself too, which is really, really fascinating. Um, so I, I think that's amazing. I mean, so I mean, transitioning to, um, into your work as an artist, um, can you tell us about the moment that you realized you wanted to transition into interior design? I mean, you talk about how, when you were younger, you really loved reading, you really loved, um, painting and, and you still paint. I mean, I've seen some of your work. It's incredible. Um, but what, what, what was the moment that caused you to, to want to go into interior design? Um, I started learning painting when I was five years old. I always thought I'm gonna be an artist in the future. Like this dream always is always being with me. Um, but the, I think it start with how I choose exhibition design as my major in college when I was in China. Uh, when we were in high school, we need to choose our major, right? And I just thought, I was already an art, art student when I was in high school. So I just got prepared to be either an artist or a designer. And I just think design is more connected to the real life. And I thought exhibition is really cool. It's like, for me, it's, it's a space or it can be an event or it can be an art piece by itself. And exhibition is just something that connect people and art, information, knowledge and emotions together and how those things interact. Is public is really trendy, like high tech, um, fashion, car exhibition, everything can be exhibition and it's temporary. So it's not like a boring long project and it's really fun. That's why I choose exhibition and turn out to be, I love it. So it's, I'm, I got really lucky that I love my major. So I just kept doing it 
And then when I started to think that I need to get the further education in China, uh, in America, I just want to learn how to design more spaces. And interior design is a broader um, connotation. And I got passion for spaces. So bang, interior design. And I, I want to go to New York City. New York City is a city of interior design. It's just everything's right. And also, I remember I only wanted to go to art college in America because I was staying, as Amy said, I stay in Tsinghua University, which is a university. Like the art school is just a little part of it. And I just thought it's like really disconnected. Mm. I went to the other courses from the other department from the university. And I just, I mean, they're just not for me. So I think let's just choose to focus on art itself, to go to an art school and everything is artsy. So yeah, um, just to find what major do they have in New York City that I can fit my interest in because the majors in different cities have like are different. And in somewhere is architecture, interior architecture or interior design or it's called the other things and you in New York City is called interior design. That's why. Yeah, I'm here. I love that. I love that. And so in coming to New York, um, you describe New York as a place that just really feels like it clicks with all aspects of your life, everything that you're aspiring for. Um, how do you feel New York itself shaped you as an artist? They are a lot, a lot. Just start with my life in, as a Pratt student. Pratt is really not a joke. Pratt is a really, really good school and the design studio culture is really intense. Um, I used to hate it so much. I just got so tired every day, but I love it. I really appreciate this chance Pratt gave me because I really learned a lot. I really, really learned a lot. We paid so much tuition, but I mean, it paid back. I just mm -hmm. got so much enthusiasm when I was studying everything about space and art. So the academic design part as being a student is just give me more preparation for being an artist or designer and like just really a good chance. And definitely more freedom here. This US gave us a really good environment to be a free artist and be free to talk. You always have your own opinion of political standpoint or like your art concept. It's okay to be yourself and everybody are open to talk. Communication everywhere and you always share and nobody will just, the first thing people do is not judge you, not like in China. People People are like, we have different opinions. And the first thing I want to say is you are wrong. And I am right. Let me, let me tell you why you are wrong. Like, it's not like that, right? And maybe it's a wrong thing to say that. But I mean, I think also because I got more mature at this age, I am in America. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just a really good chance. Maybe at age when I was in China, I know more about Chinese the art industry in China. But I mean, since I was here, so I just learned everything from here is good. And another thing is I, the moment actually I pick up painting when I was living here was the moment I felt really lonely. 
I feel alone. I want to express myself. I couldn't find a chance. I couldn't just talk to people. Uh, I just paint. There was a long time I just went back from school every day and I need to find some time to paint. Just at least one painting, one each day, just to express oh. myself. I just, I just have that need. Mm-hmm. It helped me a lot, and that's why, like, feeling like a saddie, like my paintings are all kind of have that strong emotions, and sometimes feels really sad because I was sad, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, that actually shaped me, shaped me as an artist or so-called artist. Totally. Um, yeah, a reason for me to pick up my paintbrush, and、Absolutely. just think think about that moment right now is is wow. It's for me wow. Just I sometimes couldn't remember how sad I was before. Um, yeah, that's the painting part, and about design. Definitely living in New York City, especially going to Manhattan. There are good designs every day, everywhere, and luxury, either luxury dream in Manhattan or just being chill, being myself in Brooklyn. They're both really good,、mm-hmm. and you always train your eyes, train your taste, and train your heart to be a good designer. You learn everything. Just whenever you're working, walking down the street in Manhattan. Like in some window, their fashion brands, new collection, bang! Like the new cars, new technology, Apple Store, Apple Store design, space design,、uh, retail, restaurant, hotels, cafe. They're like bang, bang, bang! Like they're all bombs for us. It's just you never got tired of living here, and you always got so excited. Passion is always around you. It's not like living in countryside and nothing for you to see.、Mm-hmm. It's just a really moment, normal moment. You're walking down the street and you see something new, and that's life living in New York City. Definitely shape us as designer and artist. That makes total sense. It's almost it seems like a designer and artist like playground because you、yeah. get that constant immediate exposure to the the. Like the newest and the next of of everything when it comes to art, when it comes to design, but then also you were describing, talking about how you can go to Brooklyn and have a totally different experience versus Manhattan and having that, all those diverse experiences,、um, wrapped up in one has to be extremely exp- inspiring for any artist. So I love how you put all of that. Yeah,、um, I I have a question. So, what comes to mind when you think about pursuing this back home, especially、uh, based on our、uh, recent conversation that you said you have considered going back home for in Shanghai to continue your art creations?、Um, because now art it start start starts to boom. And in China, and people's needs to art and cultures are increasing. So, what comes to mind、uh, when you think about that as an opportunity that you might、mm, not lose, but like will choose otherwise? Um, just as I said, we couldn't say anything until we experience that. So,、yeah. since I got stuck here. This year, but I actually、um, started finding a job in Shanghai a few months ago. I work for a Shanghai studio, which is a public art design studio. 
it was really cool. But I mean, I finally got to know that what's difference out there. It's just definitely more opportunities. All of the design firm, firms, different companies around the world all gather into Shanghai and Beijing. Like China is definitely a really good place to earn money. And everything is growing, everything is developing. So definitely more, way more opportunities, more project, more architecture project in design industry. And it's definitely better for career growing, especially for the local people, for us Chinese to go back. It's definitely, there's just so much things out there. And um, yeah, opportunities, um, career is definitely better than here especially during the pandemic mm-hmm. and but also I just started to know that your our education background and talent are not that cherished enough like here in China like it's, it's just I feel like my talent I just graduated but I can still earn a good of good money earn some mm-hmm. good money from my first job, but in China, that's not gonna happen. It's just mm-hmm. you spend so much time to digging to dig into your design process, but you're not you're not paid well in mm-hmm. China. Um, but I mean, um, it's just a start. I still I'm not sure about later. Like if you started to uh, being at a position in a company for a longer time in China, what? Are gonna happen I don't know um, mm-hmm. but I mean my decision I think is more for myself my life not for my career because career I think is just a small part of our life um, but definitely there are definitely good pros and cons of being back home so mm-hmm. yeah that's my opinion mm-hmm. absolutely you just talked to, you just referenced to you know um Obviously, like we're in some extenuating circumstances here, I mean, in the United States, but all around the world with the pandemic. And you talked a little bit about being stuck here Um, and you have plans potentially to go back to China in the future. So for you, what does it mean to be in between cultures? This, This is a meaning of life and... I feel like I'm living, finally living in the world, not living in just one country, it's the world. Because mm-hmm. the world is, is just formed by different cultures, different nationalities, different religions. It's just, you gotta go out and to live in between culture. And mm-hmm. I think I'm right now living with my eyes and heart open finally. Yeah. And also get out of the comfort zone, which I didn't re- realize I'm going to be. But right now, really, I'm living out of my comfort zone. And mm-hmm. it's challengeable. It's maybe not good for everyone because I do believe that living in comfort zone is important for some people. It's just for me. I need that. That's, yeah, living between cultures. And just the moment just started to think about the moment I met David. David, um, he is half Peruvian, half Jewish. And that was, I think, 
maybe that was the first moment I really talked through the religion and culture we we're living living in. We lived in um, as being ourselves, and I finally know he was he was grow he was grew up and raised in New York, and wow. white person. But I always feel like there is a big difference, big difference and big distance between me and white mm-hmm. or the other ethnicity. But finally, I feel like we are the same. Like we can be the same because he talk about the different culture background he was living in and how he started learning Spanish as his second language and how his religion as a Jewish influenced his life. It's just, wow, he also has his problem and he has different standpoint looking at the, the political rights saying of America. Like we just talk and finally we know that we can stand at the same area. I love that. Like meeting in the middle ground. I mean, that's one of the things Amy and I, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do with this podcast is just showcase that under all of it, under the layers of the titles of who we are, of our identities and everything like that, we're all human beings and we're all on the same track, wanting the same things. Um, And so, I mean, your experience really with your with your first friend in the United States. I mean, that really just showcases exactly what it means to be the spark, to like, to pull back all those layers of the onion and get to this, the core of, of who we all are. Um, at the end of the day, I really love that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I love that you say it's a way of life because we need to normalize that a little bit more, especially given the circumstances of what's happening around the world. But um, you've just recently graduated this past spring during an unprecedented year, and um, I'm sure many things look quite different than you anticipated beforehand. And what are some of the trade-offs, trade-offs that you've experienced once you began pursuing your post-grad life in America that you did not anticipate other than the pandemic because no one literally anticipated that. So, I, I used to think everything is going to be very fast and easy for me. Get graduated and then find a good job and just get visa, blah, blah, blah. It's just can be really easy. But since the pandemic hit here, the first thing I think definitely, I don't need to get my dream job right now. I'm not in a rush. I can just do whatever I can do right now and just learning, keep learning. Never, whenever I get tired, I need to rethink about myself, like just get this meditation thing and focus on myself. But I mean, since everything is not, lucky and I don't need to be too like get too much anticipation towards my life and since I'm stuck here in New York City or this country especially with my visa issue I really couldn't travel out of outside of United States because mm, traveling is a big part of my life I just feel so overwhelmed this year because I got stuck here. I need to go out. I need to see new things, but I couldn't. Um, so it's kind of have a hard life right now, but I need to accept that 
um, and trying to just save money for my trip in the future when the pandemic is over. So that's, yeah, the disappointed thing these days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems like, you know, at least for me, um, it feels like being able to have that accessibility of the way the world is now, like where you can just hop on a plane and be somewhere in a different country across the ocean in 12 hours, um, that makes it easy to live this life in between cultures. But when that's taken away, it's this really sobering moment that I've experienced, especially with my husband too. Like, I mean, he has, he hasn't seen his family now in a very long time as, as many people have, including you. And, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's difficult, um, when that's taken away. And I think, you know, while it's, it's the way of the world, like this is globalization, like we're coming into these places where so many people are living this life in between cultures. Um, and the pandemic, I think has really been an interesting thing to experience when it's kind of taken us a step back and made us sit for a second and not be on an airplane, not be traveling. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. I like your perspective of how you're, how you're managing this time. I mean, one of the things that Amy and I've talked, we talk a lot about is like the things that help us when we, um, when we're missing the other place. Um, and I want to know from your perspective, I know this is not a question we, I anticipated and asking, but are there, is there anything that keeps you grounded? Um, especially, or something that you've really, um, something that, has kept you grounded during this time as you've gone through this experience um, to manage it, to make it just make it more manageable for you? Um, I think um, I had good relationship with my professor in school. She actually introduced me to this current job and my boss, she's great. She's a she she's just give me this chance for this job i really appreciate that i just got a little bit lucky during this time and i think just for me my my method to enjoy the moment is just you need to really think through like give yourself more time to think what you like what you hate like for example I, we, it's really hard for us to find a new job since we just graduated during this time. And I mean, I got a job now. It's interdefined, but I didn't really like it as a first time. I just got into the project because I didn't expect me to be in the residential design industry. And then I, ask me this question, like, what can I really learn? Like, I couldn't be just sitting in front of my computer and do drawings, do those construction documents. I felt so bored at first, but then I just asked myself, what do I like about this job? And then I just realized, I actually love this interaction between us and the clients. It's like, you need to know your client's needs and it's like you were like sneaky, getting sneaky into their house and your clients tells you which side of bed they're sleeping in. And 
do they want different light switches or light scenes or the music uh, aura they want in different rooms? Like those different details, you're like, finally get into your client's life. It's actually mm -hmm. open another door. It's actually inter interesting, especially if you think about this question, not just as a design question. It's like you were reading through their life and mm -hmm. it's fascinating. And then I just, I think the longer I stay in this position, the more I love this job. It's, mm -hmm. You got it. There's so many things in the world and you, you, you will know that you will fall in love with those different things. They're just always fascinating points that you can fall for, but you didn't know. You give, me, you give yourself more chance to know them. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're not only like in a different culture, but you've taken it a step further. You're in these people's homes and, and learning about what, what they want in their environments. So I think that's really cool. But also on another note too, um, when we were talking to you in preparation for this interview, you mentioned, um, taught, speaking of different places, completely different from New York, you mentioned that you had an opportunity to visit Texas and see what you called the real America. So I'm so interested um, to hear more about this. And I was wondering if you could tell us more about that and what that was like for you as someone who's mostly spent their time in large metropolitan areas of the U.S. I think the, I think the first thing I need to clarify is probably the real America, this word is wrong. Because for me, um, Texas used to be a part of Mexico and they do have a large group of immigrations, including Asians there. And the, just rethink about their architecture, the museums and the murals and graffitis everywhere is actually feels kind of different compared to the some of the other states. So I don't know if I can really say it's real America. It's not. I feel like it's kind of have that really cool Mexican um, R out there. Mm. And, and they, they have that really cool South road trip vibes. So I don't know, maybe that's not real America, but I like it definitely. But really, I like it because I stay there for just a few days. I couldn't really imagine I stay there for a long time. It's yeah. so boring for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the weather is so nice. I love the sunshine. The first thing I do, I did when I just got off the plane was taking off all of my clothes and enjoy the sunshine and get time, get tanned. And I love there so many um, desert plants everywhere. It's so chill, people are so chill. It's just so slow paced compared to New York, but definitely less fun things to do. As I said, New York City, you always see new things and you always got that passion. I really don't think I can get that passion when I stay there for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I can I, I must say that the lifestyle there is definitely not for me. I'm a walker. I can't just drive everywhere. I don't really want to spend a long time on transportation, but it was cool. It's definitely a cool experience. And if for some people, they feel like it's a nice place for them to spend their life, it's definitely a really lucky and good things because it's such a beautiful place. That's Austin. Awesome. Yeah. That's so yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting because I recently felt like, you know, 
it's so important to just be open to all to live as you said to live with an open heart and an open mind because going from china to america can be so can be seen as a huge transition but at the same time like i literally just went from one city to another yeah no well the last questions that we have for you today um would be what advice would you give to someone who would like to pursue a career in design i know that you can only speak for yourself but um just from your experience you know what what are some devices that you would give because i know a large there is a increase of art students especially international art students pursuing their um further education in the us and other countries so first thing i want to say follow your heart always because there are so many different branches in the the design industry for example for architectural design industry we have retail design hospitality residential exhibition museum um art curation like they're so different and you need different background and experience to be in different industries so sometimes if you follow the trend or follow the other people's idea you just lose yourself you don't know what you really like to do so first thing to follow your heart know what you like and design school definitely is not the only way for you to be in the design industry but i mean it's a really important way because you just really learn a lot and you get used to this fast pass fast pace of design process this studio culture you need to stay up late every day is just because that's a designer's life and also do self study go out and enjoy the life with your eyes open and go out to see the challenge and the change of the world because you need to know that you need to design that's the designer's life and no matter if just how you like about high technology or you just more like old fashion like for me i'm not enjoying the high technology but i need to know them because that's your that's your thing to do that's your yeah that's your life and mm-hmm. um to read more go to exhibitions to go to newly opened stores i mean it's just for space or spatial designers but i mean generally for all designers just go out there to see what new things are happening in the world and new learn things from the best designers and always train your eyes and i think the second thing is know what you want because we have two things money and the best design um because some design works is really just put out there to earn more money and if you're passionate about money is another way to go but you if you're just passionate about art and the the beautiful life that you can create and you will know that you can do it good so it's just two ways you just need to know what you want and don't let the other people guide your way to live your own design life and um another thing grab the chance during this pandemic 
Um, definitely less chances, but you just need to know where the chances are. Mm-hmm. And last thing is this is a really cool job and we always need to be proud of it being a being a part of design and art industry. Yeah. That's amazing. That. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm just feeling so inspired and so I don't know, you just such you have such a beautiful energy about you. You really do. Yeah, and I, I mean <laughs> I'm just I'm overwhelmed. So I just, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to come on the spark and talk with us and, and share you with, with all of us. I mean, it's just, I'm so, we haven't released this episode yet at the time of recording, but I'm already, I'm so touched by it. And I know that so many people listening to it will also be touched. So I just thank you so much, Ariel. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) And most importantly, uh, I would like to mention that this will be the first episode where we will do bilingually. So after the English episode, if you understand Chinese or you want to practice your Chinese, which you should, for those of the people that I know who are good at Chinese but forgot about it for a while, I highly encourage you <laughs> to keep listening. You know who I'm talking about. You know, you know exactly who I'm talking about. These people, so go listen to the Chinese episode afterwards. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, look forward to that. And um, thank you so much again for coming up today. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to join in on the conversation. Connect with us on Instagram at Spark underscore Podcast and Facebook at The Spark Podcast with Megan Amy, or send us an email at hellosparkpodcast at gmail.com. And wherever you may be listening from, we hope you have the courage to be the spark.